So, uh, Ethan Taylor, welcome to The Journey. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, not a problem. And uh, Well, let me explain a little bit about what The Journey is about. Okay. And uh, The Journey is um, just a show in which we have uh, guests of all types come on. Uh, individuals that may have struggled with either addiction or mental health or struggled with something going on with, um, you know, with their career or business. And they had an opportunity because of either setbacks or struggles, had an opportunity to recreate themselves and most importantly, learn um, learn things from those obstacles that were there that were in their way. So uh, when I th- know your story, you know I've known you for a, uh, for a while. Yep. I, you know, had the opportunity to coach you when you were at Rafford Christian. And, yes. Uh, and so I remember when you were playing football then, and and at that time, and then over the last year or so, I've I've definitely watched uh, uh, the the change that you've made, and 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 I obviously know some of your family yeah. as well too. So so Ethan, before we get uh, too far into the bulk of your story. Um, what do you do for fun? What does Ethan do for fun? Uh, <clears throat> um, uh, for the most part, like if I'm not working, I like, I like to work out. So if I'm not like working out or running, uh, probably find me on a couch watching football. <laughs> okay. All right. Like yesterday, Sunday, I went and did my run in the morning, came home, showered and sat on my couch all day. That's okay. All right. Did you watch three, all three games, three different games? Oh, uh, well see, I'm a big Detroit Lions fan. So I have to, okay. I pay money. Like, cause I'm like a diehard Lions fan. So okay. I pay money to watch the Lions every week. Okay. And so I have NFL Sunday tickets so I can watch four games at once. Oh, and so I okay. sit there and I watch as many games i just like watching football like that's that's my hobby gotcha. i guess so how'd you become a detroit fan how did that happen i don't know it was a bad decision <laughs> though um i guess like when i first got into football uh, we used to visit my grandparents and they lived in three rivers michigan near okay. kalamazoo and so okay. i just got like a lion's hat or something or okay. a shirt at like walmart or something my parents sure. got me one sure and like over time as i fell in love with football i like gravitated towards the lions and then somehow became like just live and die by every snap. And okay, okay. It's caused me a lot of pain. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, and right now though they're two and zero, right? Three and zero. No, we're one zero oh, and one. So one zero oh, and one. Technically undefeated. Okay. <laughs> technically. So. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, it, being being a, actually now I'm probably more of a, just a football fan, but yeah. I, but I have followed the Bears. Just because it's a long story with yeah. Caleb. I brought him to his first Bears game when he was in fifth grade because we were watching a running back. Um, uh, his last name was Wolf, and he played Garrett at Wolf. NIU. Yeah, yeah, Garrett Wolf. <clears throat> so we were, we were following him when he was at NIU, and then we started going to Bears games when he got picked up by the Bears, and we've just gone ever since. Yes. So, uh, but Detroit's always been tough. I mean, they may not always, uh, you know, end up winning the you know yeah. winning the big one, but um, they're never they're very good. But they they try their hardest, which yeah. is important. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, you're you're from the Rockford area, yes, and been here your whole life, right? Yes, proud oh. to be from Rockford. I okay, love Rockford, nice. So. And you um, went to now? Did you always go to Rockford Christian? Or uh-huh. was, okay, I was at Rockford Christian from pre K three until graduation. So okay, whatever and, that math works out to fifteen yeah, years, fourteen sure. years, something like that. And then you have brother Ethan, or not Ethan, but um, Zach. Zach, okay. And an older brother Zach, who's twenty three, and then a younger brother Gabe, who's sixteen, just turned sixteen. So. Okay, gotcha. And then mom and dad. Right? Mom and dad. Okay. And so, well, tell us a little bit about. Well, you're working right now. What do you What do you do job wise? Uh, I just I work with Food for Fuel. Do oh. a lot of. Uh, help with in the kitchen and uh grab and goes and help coach the sprint groups okay so like i mean i do a lot i spend a lot of time trying to help out people 
okay. uh, who come to Food with Fuel and are trying to do something that I did because they've seen my story. Okay. They've been inspired by something that we've done, so I just try and do my best to help lead them on the right path. Okay. Well, while we have it, while you're talking, do a, do a little bit of a what's what's Food for Fuel? Tell us a little bit about what Food for Fuel is. Uh, food for Fuel is just it's a healthy prepackaged meal company. So we make meals, we portion them out correctly for you, uh, and we sell them. You put them in your fridge, and then when you're ready to eat them, put them in the microwave for minute and a half two minutes uh and then it's all ready to go it's nutritionally dense it's whole foods so we figure like we can if we can if somebody comes in and even buys one you're canceling out one meal that you might have gone through a drive-through and so it's just all about making a health conscious choice to eat healthier versus other options okay and how long have you been employed by food for fuel uh employed i've been probably kind of i do i've done like little events here and there but like being like actually on payroll probably about eight months okay all right so you've been with jim and and his organization but for much longer than that. yeah i've been with jim since i started the weight loss thing because he's really what nutrition side is he really is what uh helped me figure out what i need to be eating even like i knew what i wasn't supposed to be eating but I, he told me what was going to help me uh, lose weight the best, healthiest way. Okay. He's also given me lots of opportunities um, just to go out and succeed in terms of physical activity. Like, he's the one who set me up with Anytime Fitness okay, uh, and Brent over there at Edgebrook. So okay. he's he's helped me a lot. Gotcha. So, yeah, why don't you go ahead? I mean, I know right now that's a, a big part of your story has been um, a significant amount of weight loss over a, a fairly short period of time. So, uh, and even though a lot of people who are listening may know some of that story, um, there may be some people that don't don't know that portion of the story. So why don't you, why don't you kind of walk us through a little bit of a little bit of that where where when did that begin where were you at health wise where were of course where were you at weight wise and tell us a little bit about how that all got started and what was leading up to that i'll start i'll take it back a little bit to like late 2017 okay because uh, i started january 2018 is when i started trying to lose all the weight um but back in october november 2017 i was away at college and i was struggling really hard mentally i had some pretty severe depression and anxiety and i had a back injury which they were kind of linked but it wasn't like back injury caused the depression but it definitely didn't help sure uh and i was away at college i was unhappy uh i was spending a lot of time doing things i shouldn't uh i wasn't going to class because my back hurt so bad so i pretty much just laid in bed unless i was going to go party with some friends I couldn't like stand for more than like five minutes. Mm. I was just in a really, really bad spot. And so I guess I just kind of came to the realization like, you know, I I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. And so I talked to my parents. I was like, I I need to come home. And so I dropped out, came back home to Rockford. um, And then I spent the next few months just two days of physical therapy three days at the chiropractor just trying to get my back a little bit better because and then uh in january i just was like it's time to do this it's now or never you know and so january 2018 was the start of it and such an important date to me so i always remember that but uh i started just when i first started i still my back wasn't the best so i still couldn't do a whole lot so i just started with diet because that's the most important thing you can have uh you can work as hard as you want. You're not going to be able to outwork a bad diet. It's not going to happen. Uh, I've tried to s- several weeks <laughs> during the, my uh, journey, and uh, I fail every time because mm-hmm. as much as I work out or whatever, I can't outwork you know, a double cheeseburger or something. It's always going to affect me. Sure. But uh, So just over the next 18 months, 
until June of 2019. I just spent as much time as I could um, eating the right foods, working out, being proactive, um, just learning everything I could about what uh, what I needed to do to be successful at losing the weight. And so uh, on January 16th, uh, I reached my goal of 184 pounds lost because okay. I wanted – originally I was like, I want to lose – I want to get down to 185 because I think that would be cool. And then at some point I realized that if I lost 184 – or if I lost – 184 pounds got down to 184 i'd cut myself in half okay so i was like all right gotta go the extra pound right okay and so uh i was lucky enough to do that right before my 21st birthday so it was kind okay. of a cool little present for myself okay and uh yeah so so at your so were you at your heaviest right before you started was yes that, that was at your heaviest i weighed 368 pounds when Three, i started so 368 and you're what six foot yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I was saying yeah. I wish I was I wish I was five nine. Yeah, I'm like five six. So okay. I'm not I was I was fairly athletic growing up. So mm -hmm. like I wasn't as bad. It didn't look as uh, like unproportionately pleasing or on. I don't even know the right words. But it sure. didn't look as bad as it could have because right. I was always athletic. I had lots of muscle just from playing football and doing mm -hmm. sports all my life. But I was, uh, I was a pretty hefty, hefty little child. Yeah. So I remember when you were playing, I mean, because you were for the, for your size, you were quick and you had good feet. It, it was just that you were like a fire hydrant. I mean, you were I, yeah. just <laughs> you, with feet. Like, you know, yeah. you, and, uh, and, and you were just, you were thick, you know, and, and that, was probably more um but you're right it wasn't like a sloppy you know it wasn't it wasn't that you because know. like yeah i always lifted i was always in football shape for the most part and in like high school i i only weighed about i say about but like 300 ish pounds somewhere mm -hmm. in that range so i gained a lot when i went away to college but yeah no i was just I don't know. I looked like a barn, kind of like yeah, sure. <laughs> just about short, short or wider than I was tall. So sure, I guess, but sure. So had so bring us back a little bit, a little bit farther. So growing up, always, always a bigger, bigger kid. Yeah, I was so, always probably, probably since like second grade, I was probably the biggest kid in my okay. grade. Okay. I just was always. Always big, uh, you know. I never really let it, like really didn't bother me like mentally, or I didn't really notice it till probably about middle school. Okay, because that's when other kids start to notice the same things. You kind of realize you become self aware. You're like, okay, well, I am the biggest kid here. Okay, and I always hear about how bad it is to be overweight, and mm -hmm. like from teachers, parents, friends, you always hear it, and you're like, well, I mean, I know you're not <clears throat> trying to make it sound like you're talking directly at me, but I can like I know that you are right type deal but in in family wise i mean your family from when i've met them it doesn't necessarily seem like uh you know individuals that are extremely overweight or anything like that so um how how, how was that in from a from a family family standpoint uh i mean it was i was obviously the biggest kid in my family too but like I, it just like nothing seemed unnormal because when you grow up like my parents like I would never blame my parents for letting me get to that point because a lot of it was me going out to eat a lot of it was me making bad decisions um, but like you know it's tough when when I was growing up my mom worked third shift my dad worked first shift so you know my mom would pick us up then have to go to bed so she could sleep so she could work overnight and mm -hmm. my dad would come home and he'd be dead tired because he worked uh, material handling so he was on his feet busting his butt all day mm -hmm. and so it was like nobody really wanted to cook and i don't like i wouldn't want to cook either so i don't blame them for that so sure. a lot of times it was easier to just be like yeah here's a happy meal or whatever you okay know? so it was maybe more of that that part of it 
was the beginning of it. And, and so I remember for me, you know, having worked with other individuals when, when you have to eat, um, you start eating whole foods, right? Yeah. I didn't, we didn't call it that back then, mm-hmm. but, but there was an element with different diets that I did growing up that it was like punishment. Like if I, if I was going on certain eating certain foods, then it was as a result of being punishment because I was fat. <laughs> and, and so, um, and even though I had, I, I was fortunate that I had a taste for yeah. whole foods and I preferred the taste of it because I liked the texture, I liked different things. There was something in my head that once I was supposed to eat it or had to eat it, then there was this initially when I was younger, a resistance to it. Yeah. It's kind of like, I get like the same way. It's the like food is reward thing too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a mentality thing that like people in America and people in other countries have, where it's like, you know, you go on a diet, it's a bad thing. You have to eat all these healthy foods and you're like, okay, man, this stinks. But then like, Oh, I lost 20 pounds. I'm going to reward myself with a donut or whatever. Right, you know. Right. And so it's like, it's a mentality thing that pretty much everyone has where it's like, I'd rather eat this than, you know, chicken and brown rice and broccoli. But once you realize how important food is to mm-hmm. everything, it's kind of like, it makes it easier yeah. and, you know, find what you like. I eat the same thing every day, pretty mm-hmm. much. I relate For, to that. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I like, I'm a creature of habit. So sure. I just, I like what I like and I eat it. So. Sure. Sure. <clears throat> so, um, so, so growing up, I, I was, I just recently watched, uh, a, a video that you, that you, that was put out and, um, you said that things started changing in middle school and, and specifically started changing socially. And I think, I think you're right on, you know, as a counselor, we know that, um, that's when a lot of times the social mirror starts getting, uh, revealed back to us about what's you know, where do we fit in? How do we fit into the, to the social structure of our school or whatever it is? What was it like when all of a sudden you realized through other people's comments and, and maybe even your own perception, what, what was that? What, what was that like? Uh, I mean, it was a tough realization because like you said, in middle school, that's when people really start, like you start gravitating towards groups of people. Cause I remember in sixth grade, uh, like I had a party at my house uh, at the end of the year, and I invited the whole class, everyone in my grade, and I, probably 75% of the people came, whether we were good friends or not, just because I guess it was kind of like the last time before everyone started realizing, like, hey, we don't really have anything in common, so might as well just go our separate ways and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you start to see, like, groups form and you realize that, you know, I'm not really – I can't really, like, hang out with the athletic kids as much because they're more active than I am, but I'm not really – in tune with kids who are smarter because I wasn't the smartest kid and I don't really have any other interests besides sports. And so you just start to see like groups form and you're not really sure like what, what to do because mm-hmm. there's, it's just like, I don't fit in anywhere mm-hmm. particular. Like I have certain things I can apply to certain groups, but like I don't have like a group to like call home per se. Right. Right. And, and at that time, if you're being less active with your friends, and there's this uncertainty going on, and food is this reward, I imagine without even being conscious of it, it just started naturally perpetuating itself. Yeah, it's really easy just like when you're like feeling like sad or confused or whatnot, just be like, you know what, I'm just going to eat this because I know it'll make me feel better because, mm-hmm. you know, it tastes good or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's just tough because like when you replace, like every like everything is – replaceable so like if i replace going to the gym with my friends because i know that i'm not as fit as them with 
going out to get something to eat because uh, I feel bad about not being able to go to the gym with my friends. It just kind of spirals. Right. And I, and I, and I know for me, for me, you talked about the reward piece of, of food that on a short term basis, that was something that I know after having, you know, wrestled for so many years and when I was competing in, in bodybuilding, we would get off a, you know, after a show, Yeah, I would, I could eat, supposedly I could eat whatever I wanted. And, and that was sometimes hard because now I went from the super rigid, rigidness yeah. of it. And then I went to no, 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 no structure at all. And there'd be a lot of just eating just to eat. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same thing with football. Like when I was playing football in high school, like I could eat more food because I knew that I was burning more calories throughout mm-hmm. the day. Cause you go to practice every day, especially in the early season, it's really hot, you're sweating a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then continuing to eat the same way, like after games, I knew I used to just stop somewhere on my way home mm-hmm. uh, and get something to eat. Cause when you get done with the game, it's almost 10 o'clock. I don't live 20 minutes away. So I'm get home till probably 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to want to go home and make something. So right. It's just easy to go grab something. Uh, and, you know, then when football season ends and you continue to do stuff like that, it just kind of adds up over time and over time. And then you graduate high school and you go away to college with these bad eating habits. Yeah. Uh, and you don't really like you can diet, but like diet's kind of a bad term because it's something diet is seen as like restriction. Well, restriction, but I was also going to say it's like a timed thing. So you're like, I'm going to diet for like four weeks. And so like after the four weeks is up, what then? Like then you're back to eating bad. So it's kind of just something you kind of got to learn. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. In turning into a healthy lifestyle versus a a certain amount of time is, is for me is a bit, was a big switch. Yeah. So, um, so pre-college before you go off to college and maybe even you talked about there was some depression going on yeah and and i I mean there's there's two different types of depression but Mm -hmm. this a lot of times are interwoven sometimes there's a chemical imbalance yeah that that we may be genetically born with and sometimes it may be as a result of uh, substance abuse or activity abuse type of thing yeah um and other times it has to do with um, more of a more of a melancholy or or a sadness or a, uh, or as you said a lostness not yeah. knowing where do I fit in for you when you think back to that time period in high school maybe or pre college or in college would it, when you say depression what do you mean um, I definitely definitely think well I don't know for sure I've been I've done like the test and stuff and mm-hmm. whatnot the little exams they give yeah. you and you know. I think that my depression was genetic because I have lots of family who struggles with it. Okay. And uh, it's not something that has gone away completely. Like I still have days or weeks where I struggle really bad with my depression okay. now, even okay. though I've lost all the weight. So, but you know, just thinking back to high school, it was basically go to school, go to practice. If I had it come home, just sit there. Cause I like, I didn't, I didn't want to do anything really. Uh, and okay. like, it's always tough to get up and go to school when you don't want to, Okay. You don't want to, I just rather lay in bed all day. Like I <laughs> Rockford Rockford Christian had a policy where you could miss 12 days. That was the max. I missed 12 days every semester <laughs> except for football season. So, but after football season got over in like mid October, I missed tons of class. Like I just, cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to see people. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to stay home and do my own thing. So, so a big part for your depression was it, it would be, it would affect your motivation 
it, it would affect that drive piece of it. It would then, because of that, there was low energy, and then it was easier to isolate. Yeah. Easier just to be by yourself. Yeah. Okay. And that perpetuated into school. Yes. Then, now, where'd you go to school? College? Uh, I went to McMurray College, which is, it's about 30 minutes west of Springfield. It's a really small school, but. Okay. Okay. And what what made you pick that school? Um, I was somehow, I don't know. I still don't know how this happened because I really wasn't like, I wasn't like a bad student in high school, but I wasn't like a stellar student by mm-hmm. any means. But I ended up getting a scholarship there at an mm-hmm. academic one. And I just, I mean. My family's never been one who's been like, you know, oh, pick whatever college you want. You, right. We'll pay for it. It's kind of like been like, you know, this is a huge decision for not only you, but us as a family. And so I ended up going down there and visiting and it didn't seem too bad. And so I ended up picking it because I knew that I had a decent chunk of change that I wouldn't have to pay for college. And right. so that's why I picked there because okay. I went, I visited there in Illinois State and those were my two choices. And I chose gotcha. That one instead. And and them being able to pay for some of it, obviously, is a huge incentive. Yes, yeah. Because if, if I only have to pay, like, five grand a year to go to one school or if, you know, I have to take out student loans and go into huge debt and pay 25, 30 grand a year to go to school, it's kind of – it's big – people say money's not important, but it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it does definitely sways your decision. Um, I, I, th- I think I made the right choice, even though I struggled a lot. Um because Mary was a scholar, it was a small school, so I was able to meet people quickly mm. and become friends with people. Um, and at Illinois State, I don't know if I would have been able to do the same thing with, sure. you know, twenty, thirty thousand people. Right. Um, it might have been sensory overload, and I might have ended up retroactively becoming more lonely and depressed than I would have if I had, uh, if I had not gone to Mac Murray. So, so tell us now. You were at Mac Murray one semester, or I was there for uh, like. Two sem- I was there for my freshman year and then half of the beginning of my sophomore year, so, so st- like two and a half semesters. Okay, so you started your third semester yeah. before. Okay, and what was that first year like? What, you know, you're away at school for the first time. You're away from home. Yeah, right? and and you're you know you're a decent amount away. So what uh, what was that like your first? Year? Uh, it was tough at first, especially because I remember we moved in the weekend before. Is it Labor Day? Is the one Labor we just had, right? Yeah. Okay, Labor Day. And so the weekend of Labor Day, I came home. Like it was one weekend of school, and I just came home because we had a three day weekend, and it's only it's like three hours away. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll just come home, uh, see my family, tell them about my first week of college. Uh, and so I remember going home, and I was about to leave. And I just remember having like a panic attack because I didn't want to go back. It was mm. tough. I was like hyperventilating. I was freaking out in my room, and I didn't really like. I was I'm one of those people who didn't really tell anyone that I was having issues, but. You know, and I just like, you got to go back. You've already paid for part of it. Go back. Okay. So I went back. And then, you know, the first couple months, just getting to know new people, you don't really, like, I knew my roommate vaguely, kind of just from, like, little talking and stuff. But, you know, over time, I ended up, I've met some of my best friends there. So, okay. like, I did, I did have really good friends, and I had a lot of fun. But uh, I also made a lot of, a lot of bad decisions. Okay. Okay. Um, but then that third semester... It was different. Yeah. And what was different? 
well, like I struggled with the depression and anxiety and the not wanting to be there as much okay. uh, my whole freshman year. Okay. But then coming back with a back injury and uh, kind of just not being able to do really much of anything. And, yeah, you how'd you how'd the injury? How do you think the injury happened? Uh, I was playing with my dog, and she's uh, she's a big old girl, and I just like picked her up, and I felt a pop in my back, and I was like, oh, that's it's probably just a pulled muscle. It'll be fine. I went and had it looked at, and they're like, yeah, we don't see anything, and it wasn't too bad when it first happened, but then over time, it just got to the point where like I was having severe like sciatica attacks, okay. and so like I was I couldn't lay on one side for more than like five minutes. I couldn't stand up for more than five minutes. I couldn't walk for more than five minutes mm. i was having like i remember coming home one weekend and i was laying on my mom's bed after a shower because i just couldn't really do much and i was sore from having to stand up in the shower because of my my back was hurting and i just got like the worst sciatic nerve attack i've ever had and it was like shooting down my legs hurt so bad and i mm. like i just didn't know what to do i was like screaming on the bed because it hurt so bad you know it's just i don't know it's just kind of a freak kind of like little Something of, you wouldn't think about. Of how it happened, sure. You know, lift with your knees, not your back. You've been kind of deal. But. Right. And, I, and I've had back injuries where I had a, um, a herniated disc between the yeah. uh, uh, S1 and L5. And, um, and that, was some, that was some of the worst pain for the longest period of time that I had ever experienced. Yeah, because this is like my back's not fully fixed. I'd say mm -hmm. it's probably about 75% of what it could be because mm -hmm. I still have days where I'm like, man, my back just killing me. Mm -hmm. It's always my low back and my hips. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I'm like, man, I just I can't really, like there's not like a whole lot that like, I mean, it. I'm trying to think about what I want to say. Like, it's obviously like I put it in perspective. And I was like, okay, like there, at one point you couldn't do literally anything. Right. So a day where you can't do as much as you'd like is a lot better than that. Right. So. It's it's, but it is hard to keep in mind because at least for me, I don't. I, I pain is not. It's I have a hard time keeping it in relative standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> because when I'm when I'm distracted because of the pain, it seems like that's the worst. Yeah. At, at that moment, so. Um, you said football has been a part of your part of your life, and you've enjoyed football the whole time. Yep. Any particular individual that you uh, looked up to, or you uh, um, wanted to aspire to, or just liked their story? Any as you were growing up? Uh, I don't know. It was tough. Just kind of like like when I got into football, it was from watching highlights of Barry Sanders on YouTube. So he was always my favorite oh, player. Sure, and I, sure. <laughs> little chubby Ethan, when he was in like elementary school, would always go to football and be like, I'm a running back. I got this. Like, yeah. cause I was like, that's what I wanted to be. And I didn't really grasp the whole, you know, you gotta be fast to be a running back type yeah, thing. But, sure. Um, you know, I, I always looked up to Barry Sanders and then just really like anybody who did stuff okay. to, uh, like help either like the homeless or okay. help, just like better their own communities because okay. that's something that i've always really been drawn to is people who like are proud of where they come from okay. and want to make sure that it's the best place to live as possible gotcha so it's a combination one is uh individuals who would give back to the community and give back via their position and then um watching how barry sanders played yeah right and what was it about how barry sanders played and the stories you heard about him? what was it about Besides the fact that he was amazing, I mean, yeah. what what uh, what else about about how he played that seemed to be inspiring? It's just like you wouldn't expect it from somebody. He's like five eight, you yeah. know. He's not. He wasn't always the fastest player on the field. It's just like that. He kind of was like, you know, I I did what I did, and I made the 
most out of a situation and uh i became super successful so it was kind of just that and the fact that he didn't really let people say like hey you're too short hey you're not fast enough he was just like no i'll show you i'll show you what i can do okay and obviously it worked out well for him yeah yeah very much so and i think i think he was from oklahoma was it uh yeah i think he was from oklahoma yeah yeah Yeah, because i remember i've seen uh videos on him and he his dad was a was a big Sooners fan and didn't want him to go to Oklahoma State. Right, right, yeah, okay. And so, um, so going back now, coming back into your story, when so it's January of 2018. Um, did you start working out with Jim at that time? Is it who did you start working out with in January? Um, at first, it was like the first couple of weeks. It was literally just fixing my diet because when you're okay. as big as I was, it was like, hey, okay. you're eating really bad food. Yep. stop <laughs> and so i stopped doing that i started eating a mix of food for fuel and then some other things at home um but mostly i ate the food for fuel because it was easy and it was a good basis to try and fix my diet off of and it was like that perfect fit instead of yeah. fast food you could just replace it just with this choice yeah. instead of that choice it was and a lot easier uh time wise too because i had started going back to school and stuff and i wanted to be working out so it was really convenient to be like, okay, all I have to do is go home and put something in the microwave for two minutes and it'll be good for me. Right. Um, and so, but when I did start working out, my grandpa actually um, just kind of, he offered to help pay for a gym membership mm. up at North Point because he knew that, because he oh, he's had back issues too. And he's like, go walk in the water. It'll be good for you. Uh, and I ended up, so I went with him for the first couple months. And I, uh, I didn't like the water walking. It actually hurt my back more. So I would go and I'd ride the bike for like 30 minutes, sit in the sauna, do things that were low impact just mm-hmm. to try and make sure that, you know, I wasn't hurting my back more, but I was still trying to be active. Right. And so that was the first couple months. And then Jim set me up with Brent over at Anytime Fitness. And that's when it really took off. Okay. And what month was that? Uh, it was like March is when I joined Anytime Fitness. March of 18. Yep. And so what was different about that? Because up until this point, I mean, you knew stuff back from Rafa Christian when you lifted weights and knew what to do and different. But then you go to Anytime Fitness, Brent's a trainer. He has other trainers there. What was different? Uh, you know, I used to go to like bigger gyms like the Y, Peak, North Point. And so going to Anytime Fitness, it's a much smaller thing. Everybody knows everybody. So it felt almost like a home Mm because you go in and the trainers who work there, the people who go there to work out know who you are, you know who they are. And so it's easier to walk in and see somebody and just have a conversation instead of, you know, I'm here with 300 other people right now just trying to be able to use a bike. Okay. You know, and so to, I feel like just the, that aspect of it and the, the fact that they were just so welcoming and willing to, you know, take a chance on me and let me come in and do what I could to better myself and help me when I needed it. Okay. I think those were the two main things that really, really made it easier. So a sense of community and in this belief or perception that they were believing in you. Yeah. And okay. Now did they did they bring you through workouts or was or did they set you up on workouts or just provide the space? Uh the, I was I'm very I've been very blessed throughout this to uh kind of just be handed some opportunities uh and that's part of why I think I've been so successful as I was handed opportunities so I felt like I couldn't abuse the opportunities like i need to capitalize on opportunities i'm given that's a big thing for me if somebody's going to go out and put their neck on the line for me i'm not going to go out and 
give half-hearted effort or okay. whatnot. And so I was very lucky, and Brent offered to give me the first few months. He would, I could meet with a trainer once a week uh, for on anytime fitness's dime just because he's like, you know, I think you can be successful, and I want to be a part of that, and I want to help you. And so you can meet with – the trainer I started meeting with was Caleb. He's like, you meet with him once a week. He'll put you through a workout, kind of give you some tips until you get back on your feet and whatnot. And so I was very, very blessed to have that opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'm just forever grateful for opportunities like that. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> and um, when did you – because there is this thing about when you start losing weight and you see the numbers on the scale start moving – in the direction you want them to move, right? There's something about that that is reinforcing, it's it's validating, it's affirming, and then there's an intoxication that happens sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you notice that consistently going in the direction you wanted? Uh, I mean, it started when you're, like I said, when you're really big and you just have to fix your diet, it'll come off really quickly to start. So like I think the first first month, I only worked out probably three times a week. Okay. And I only worked out the last two weeks, so like six times, eight mm-hmm. times, somewhere in that range. And I lost like 15 pounds. So 15 pounds. Yeah, in, in the first month. So you're like, okay, not bad, you know. But like being somebody who had been on several, probably 20 diets throughout their life, I was like, all right, 15 pounds, that's pretty good. We'll keep this going. You know, second month, lost 12 pounds. So it's like, all right, I'm almost down 30. And so then I think when it really started to hit me that like this time I'm really going to be able to do it was probably when I – uh, got under 300 pounds because I was like I haven't been here probably since I was a freshman in high or freshman in high school. Okay. So it's like this is the lightest I've been in six years. So you're in the 200s. Yeah, and so when I got down, I saw the I think it was 297. Okay. So I think I was at 301 and I lost four pounds. I saw 297. I was like, all right, you know what? Okay. Maybe I can do this. Okay. So okay. Because it was always like I I think I can I think I can but then like when you see like real like kind of insane kind of like numbers like oh hey i've lost 60 68 pounds 70 pounds it's like okay you know what mm-hmm. like this this isn't this isn't something that is temporary like i can really really push myself and do something big and when at what point did it become the goal to get down to 185 uh from the start i had that goal oh you did yeah oh, like really? my goal was to like lose that much weight but it didn't really become something that I really pushed for until probably I lost the first hundred pounds. Okay. So I was like, all right. Cause like I always try and break it down. This is why I tell people when they start is like, uh, you can have a big goal. Like the big goal was 184 pounds, but you need to have small goals. You need to be like, I want to lose 10 pounds this month. I want to lose two pounds this week. Mm-hmm. Because it, if you just look at the long term goal, instead of just like daily, weekly, monthly goals, mm-hmm. it's going to seem so much more daunting. Sure. Yeah. Because like I could be like, I want to lose 184 pounds and I lose four pounds. I'm like, cool, 180 to go. That's not like, <laughs> that's not encouraging really. Right. But if you're like, okay, I want to lose 12 pounds this month. All right, I lost four pounds this week. Cool. 25 or wait that's bad math 33 percent of the way there yeah so i'm I'm like it's it's easier when you break it down into small small goals right right, right. so that's what i tried to do as much as possible and so for you that was a, another part of this formula of, of continue moving in that direction was helpful to get validation was with small goals small goals yes okay uh because you know not everything like there's a thing called non-scale victories and those are fun too like when you go down a shirt size or a loop on your belt mm-hmm. um but, you know, just kind of because it's really hard when you're losing weight to not like kind of let your life revolve around what the scale says, mm-hmm. especially when you're doing like massive amount of weight. So I always just tried to 
as much as possible. It didn't really work all the time because there were a lot of weeks where I was like glued to the scale. Like I weighed myself like two, three times a day, which mm-hmm. isn't good for uh, my mental state. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just trying to kind of trying to not really focus on the scale as much as like how you feel physically or mentally. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about that, Where about how you started feeling physically different and how you started feeling mentally different. Um, because you're right. It isn't just about what the scale says Yeah. because when you're working out the scale, at some point the scale can start being deceptive Yes. Um, because of, because of muscle weight and because of water weight, all these different variables. But so when did you start seeing a shift from a mental and how you physically felt, how you mentally and emotionally felt? Physically, I probably started seeing the change after the first, 30, 40 pounds when the pressure on my back probably came a little bit less tight. And so I was able to do a little bit more. I went from just being able to ride the bike to being able to, you know, walk for 30 minutes, mm. which was big. Cause I used to just like, I could not do anything besides the bike and then go home, shower and sit down. And so I was able to walk. And so just like doing that and you're like, okay, I'm gonna try and jog. I'm gonna try and do the stairs and then you incorporate lifting. So just like Every day, like I was always adding, trying to add something in, whether it was just like a minute of cardio or uh, going to lift a couple weights, just adding stuff in to kind of strengthen myself. Uh, and so being able to see those physical changes was really cool because I knew that, you know, it could only get better from here because I had all the doctors like lose the weight, I'll help your back, lose the weight, I'll help your back. And, you know, that's not the answer I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was looking for here, take this here try this it was never i'd because everyone always told me lose the weight like i was so sick of hearing that right and uh even though it was probably true mm-hmm. um to an extent uh you know it was kind of tough to hear and so just physically like being able to do something different every day or every week was really really cool uh mentally uh i probably started seeing it like right away because just like how your brain reacts to working out and the endorphins it releases mm-hmm. and so <laughs> Like I said earlier, like my, my depression isn't perfect. Any, it's still not perfect. Like I still struggle with it, but, uh, it's a lot better than, you know, waking up, being depressed all day, going to bed. Like I I would much rather have, I'd rather not have it at all, obviously, but, uh, like, you know, I'd rather have it once every few weeks or a couple days in a month versus, you know, every day. Right. Right. And so, and now that like, I'm so physically active, I have things I can go do to kind of distract myself. Like I could go for a run, I could go lift, I could go, uh, talk to one of the gyms I know and try and get into a group workout to try and feel that sense of team or group atmosphere. So there's a lot of different things I can do now that I couldn't do when I was really big. So, Okay, so I think that's a great point. I want to make sure that um, that we really stress it is because it, it, it is part of that lifestyle. It's having those choices that when that cloud of depression comes back, mm-hmm. that now you have choices. Yeah. It, you know, community is important to you. Very Obviously, yeah. uh, being able to physically have choices so you can change your chemistry based upon working out. So if you go for a run, you go have a hard workout – you're chemically going to be different after that workout's over. Yeah. And, and so you're, you're able to do some therapy, um, you know, utilizing strategic tools to manage your depression versus your depression controlling you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like being able to, like I said, go out and like lift and then come home and be like, okay, I did something active. It helped. I was able to just like kind of distract myself from what, uh, bad thoughts I was having and replace those thoughts with a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. or a sense of community. 
uh, versus just like sitting there and staring at my ceiling, which is why you see I just used to lay there and look at the ceiling and mm. just think like, and that was never healthy. That wasn't a good option. I knew it wasn't, but I didn't really have the option to go uh, work out or do something like that. So it's just like replacing when you're in a bad spot, just replacing that with, you know, the endorphins from working out or the sense of community, you know, it's really, really something I'd stress to people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and again, going back to the beginning of your story in, in not only the end of 17, but the beginning January of 18, it was, it was literally just moving in that direction. Yep. In your case, you know, like for all of us, but it was even more emphasized literally one step at a time. Yeah. Your back couldn't handle more than that. Yeah. Physically, you weren't in enough, sh you weren't in shape to be able to do more. Uh -huh. um, it, but it was that slow, that slow progress allowed you to have a sustainable model versus trying to sprint. Yeah. And so it's kind of like something I always tell people, progress, not perfection. So mm -hmm. it's not like one day you're like, it's not like, Hey, I'm gonna lose weight. So I'm gonna go run a marathon. Mm -hmm. It's, Hey, I'm gonna lose weight. So I'm gonna eat one meal better the, I'm going to replace one bad meal with one good meal today. And I'm gonna go walk for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, next week I'm going to replace two bad meals. I'm gonna walk for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's just always adding on to things until you get to a point where it's a sustainable thing. Um, you know, it's just, you can't, it's, you can't just jump full. Mm -hmm. You can't jump out of a, plane without a parachute you gotta you gotta you have to take baby steps you gotta learn how to put the parachute on then you have to go do some test jumps like onto a trampoline then right. you gotta build up you gotta feel the airplane feel what it's like to be in the airplane and then you can jump out of the airplane with your parachute yeah right. it's kind of just progressing to that point and i think that's a huge key if we're looking at changing lifestyle it is about movement but there's about some strategy yeah and because and this is where I want to ask you about this is our perception always gets in the way, right? Yeah. So when you, when you, cause you're 21 now, right? Yes. When you think back and now at 21, um, and you look back on regardless if it was when you were at your heaviest or just during that time period, pre working out, pre eating the way you're eating now, if you look and think about how, what was your mindset? How, how did Ethan think about Ethan? How did Ethan think about the world? Oh, it wasn't good. I, I hated myself. I didn't, I was, don't know if I was really like, I was mad at the world or if I thought things weren't fair. Like how, why did I have to be so big? Why did I have to be so depressed? Why did I have to be, you know, always so lonely and whatnot? And so, uh, back then my mentality really was like, I was just kind of, it wasn't, I was just sad and angry and all this all the time. And, you know, I didn't really tell people cause I, cause I already felt like I was a burden enough with my back injury. So I didn't want to be like, Hey, I have a back injury. Also, I'm severely depressed. So mm -hmm. it was kind of just like something I kept to myself. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I did not, I didn't really like anything like mm -hmm. everything. I was always doom and gloom about it. I didn't really have a optimistic viewpoint on a lot of things. It was really mm -hmm. pessimistic. And so just like looking back and seeing how I view things now, it's kind of mm -hmm. really a 180. And some of the things I remember, you know, in the, in the, you may not, obviously it's hard for you to remember this, you know, Yeah. but I remember coaching you, you know, you played defensive lineman, you know, yeah. and um, I remember even, you know, we had you at nose guard, right. Yeah. And um, in other times, other positions and, 
and because you're because you were quick and because you, there was a level of tenacity that you had mm-hmm. even when you were your, your heaviest i mean the la- you know you were quick but there was still because of the weight there was a lack of mobility yeah um at the same time i, I don't outside of running sprints outside of certain conditioning things yeah. I still there was I still have a perception in my mind that you tried, you yeah. you, you you put forth the effort unlike some of the other students who 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 didn't yeah um, and there was this element that you wanted to be part of the team and you were always you were funny right I mean tried my best at least yeah, and so <laughs> I didn't say your jokes were good but yeah, I'm just saying fair. you're <laughs> no, I'm just joking sound like my family yeah. now <laughs> but um what uh. What was the humor part? Because was that part? What was the humor part? I mean, obviously, there's you have a good sense of humor in general, but um, people didn't know you were sad. They would just thought you were jolly. You were. I think funny. it kind of it kind of falls into you know kind of like almost a stereotype, like the fat kid is the funny kid or whatnot. Mm, okay, and it's kind of like you do that to try and cause like I said, I didn't like when people knew if I was sad or upset. Mm. So I just tried to mask it by always laughing, poking jokes, doing stuff like that. And, you know, I always thought I was funny despite what like my family and my girlfriend might tell me, I still think I'm funny, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it was just kind of like, if I can kind of distract attention away from myself by trying to make a joke, it'd be a lot better than people like actually seeing that I'm struggling. Yeah. A lot of times we talk about, vulnerability yeah and to be vulnerable um but now because of you know because of the weight loss obviously that's the big thing you Mm -hmm. know but then also because of other things that you're doing you're putting yourself out there well one we're talking about it right yeah there's a vulnerability to that what's through this journey of transforming yourself through this journey of recreating yourself how do you see yourself? How are you beginning? That's a better way. How are you beginning to see yourself now? Uh, I see myself a lot better. I see myself as somebody who, you know, is resilient, who came from a dark place to make it here. I see myself as somebody who's just really done everything he can to set himself up for success. And uh, I view myself as somebody who, you know, is that I enjoy mm-hmm. more often than not. You know, I, I like who I am. I like what I've done. I like where I'm at and what I've been able to do, not only for myself, but for others. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just like going from like hating myself all the time to being able to say like, Hey, you know what? I like, I like myself now. Mm -hmm. Like I enjoy who I am. I think that uh, I'm a decent enough person Mm -hmm. and I, uh, I really, really think that I'm doing some good things. So it's just, it's kind of cool to see how far I've come. You know, earlier when you were talking about before you started this leg of the journey, um, it sounded like some of the questions and some of the comments you were made, y- you were upset because things out here were causing you to be this way. And somewhere along the line, it shifted instead of the outside world or some other thing causing this to happen, regardless if it's genetics, if it's God, if it's yeah. whatever. Now you're saying, well, this is what Ethan can do with this. This is who Ethan yeah. is. So it's, now it's an internal thing. Versus it being an external thing. Yes. So tell any anything to add to that? I think one of the biggest things for the whole the whole journey, mental and physical, was self realization. 
Mm. Like I realized that I was doing things that weren't going to help my depression, that weren't going to help my weight. I realized what I was doing to myself was not healthy mentally or physically. And so once you kind of realize that and you take like a backseat perspective and see things from a different viewpoint, you kind of realize, you know, hey, like all I got to do is change some things and I could make drastic changes to myself, even Mm -hmm. if it's little things like uh, trying to create a schedule every day. Mm -hmm. So I'm not like when I dropped out of college, I would sleep until two o'clock, go to therapy at like or physical therapy at like three thirty. And I'd come home, play Xbox or whatnot, sit on my couch until 2, 3 in the morning, wake up, you know, go to bed, do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, putting yourself to, like, a schedule and uh, stuff like small stuff like that, like building habits that would lead to me being um, successful Mm -hmm. in the whole journey. Well, I I think that's key for individuals who've had success. They've set up structure, right? Yeah. They set up milestones in which to, and, and and put together different tools so that they can then start having a sense of power over their own choices. Yeah, may not be able to control outside things. May not may not be able to control if, if the wave of depression comes. Yeah, but you all have some choices if it does happen. Yeah, and it's like I I I don't know when my depression will hit me or when I'll have a bad day, but I. I know that I'm a lot more equipped to handle it now than I would have been two years ago. Sure. Like sure. now I, now I can, I can deal with it. I can, you know, take my lumps and move on opposed mm-hmm. to where if uh, it hit me two years ago, it'd be like, all right, well buckle in folks. This is going to yeah. be a, a bumpy ride. Sure. So I think you said earlier you have a girlfriend. I do. Okay. So what, what's her first name? And uh, how long her name's Hannah, and we've been dating for about four months, almost okay. four months, coming okay. up on four months. Okay. So so now that's another element of having a, having another relation, another yeah. type of relationship and, and, and how to navigate and allow that to grow. How's, how's that been? Oh, it's been really good. We've had a lot of fun. Um, I just really enjoy who she is. She's a great person. She's very kind, loving, funny, you know. I just, I don't know, I'm happy that I found her and that she puts up with my uh, my uh, dumb self, I guess. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> don't want to say any vulgar language, but sure. puts up with me because sure. I'm kind of a lot to handle, especially she's so patient because I have such like a hectic schedule. Right. Because like I, I, like I wake up and sometimes I have to go to work like 7 to 10. And I got class 1030 to 115. And then I got to go back to work. And then I have to go to a workout. I have to do my own workout. So I have such like a hectic schedule that's always changing and she's so patient about it and she's like no it's fine we can talk when you have time you know do your thing you know and so that's that's another thing that i really really appreciate nice um uh so how did you and hannah meet how did that the, the internet oh okay yeah oh, so really? okay 2019 relationships well i mean you know i i've i've heard obviously i've heard when it doesn't go well yeah but i have more than a handful of stories of how it does go well and it's it's tough where you where are you going to meet people if if it's yeah. not in that you know and i'm still like so like socially anxious sometimes mm-hmm. like like when i go to school at this point like i've delayed myself so much with school like i'm basically a freshman going into my fourth year of college because mm-hmm. i just 
messed around too much my first two years and then didn't really apply myself the third year so it's like at this point i'm not going to like make friends like i know that sounds bad i'm going because i need to learn like i need to i need to get through college sure and so at this point i'm not going to be like a social butterfly i'm going because like i I need to i i need to finish school because i can't keep paying money and then having no return on my investment so right exactly well i heard we talked earlier you have another new uh goal or milestone that you are looking at your training for right now yeah. and you're ready uh you're about less than a month out less right? than a month, it was and, a month uh, yesterday so. so tell us a little bit about about that what the goal is or, or what the what the plan is and what you've been training for uh, i've been training for to run the 2019 chicago marathon which is i've been running for less than a year like seriously like i did a 5k or a couple of them and then me and zach were like hey i was like hey zach you want to do a half marathon you want to train for it and see how it goes he goes yeah sure because zach for the most part will just go along with me as long as he's like yeah sure why not and so we did the half marathon in schaumburg in may and i was like you know this wasn't terrible i had fun i felt pretty good afterwards i was like maybe i'll look around and uh see what types of charities i can run for because i'm not gonna i'm not one of those people who's gonna be paid 200 dollars to go run in a race i'm not gonna do that but if i can go raise money for a charity that i think is good Mm -hmm. um and does good work then i'll do that and uh i'll put myself through you know the hell of running 30 ish miles a week um and so you know i found a really cool charity that uh deals with childhood obesity and prevents or helps put programs in schools and stuff i was like this is coincides with stuff i'm trying to do in rockford uh but at more of like a national scale and so i was like all right this this is something that i like truly am passionate about and believe in so i messaged the person who runs it and we did some talking and i signed up through them and so i've just been training and trying to fundraise uh, and doing all I can to make sure that my legs stay attached till October 14th. <laughs> after the, after the 13th, they can fall off. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> so, uh, so, and have have never ran anything even near that. I think I think 5K is probably the, yeah. the longest I've ever run. Um, what? Um, so what's that like? You're, I think you told me that you, you know, this coming week the schedule is that you're going to be running your 20 miles, yep, which is the longest miles. you've run, right? Yep. So what's that like? The element of getting, uh, you know, at some point, right? You have to. You're thinking, and then you got to, unless you really want to torture yourself, you got to figure out how to shut that off and get into a zone. Right? Running, running is, it's it's more mental than it is physical. Because, you know, I used to take the approach earlier in training for this when I wasn't having as good, like, good runs and I was struggling a little bit with, you know, some cramping. Uh, It was like, I don't want to go do this. I don't want to go run. I don't want to do this. And I look at it as, you know what, just go out, do it, try and enjoy yourself. Don't look at a clock. Don't do any of that and kind of just run at a nice steady pace instead of trying to, you know, oh, shoot, I'm. 10 seconds behind where i want to be right now i gotta mm. speed up like now it's just like oh i ran that mile at that pace all right you know just kind of trying to do that and not think about the fact that you know i've still got a long way to go i just try and break it up into sections like i had 18 miles for three straight weeks and yeah. so it was just like all right one hour stretches because it takes me about an hour to run six miles so you know one hour stretch okay only two more of those hours all right only one more of those hours all right you're almost done like it's just kind of I think that's the best way to approach it is to break it up. Sure, sure. So again, similar to the other things that you've utilized regarding either of weight loss or uh, whatever it may be, is kind of taking that bigger goal and breaking it down into yep. smaller 
tangible segments. It's yeah, like I said earlier, it's so much easier to grasp like uh, six miles at a time or twelve pounds a month than it is to grasp, you know, one hundred eighty-four pounds or twenty-six miles. Like it's so much easier to mentally wrap yourself around that and be like, okay, I, that's attainable right now. Sure. Well, I mean, I, just the idea of running a Chicago marathon. Some people spend a, a, a long time, and let alone that, you know, just one hundred eighty plus pounds ago, yeah. uh, that was not feasible. You know, uh, walking down the street wasn't feasible. Twenty six so, yards yeah. was not was not, yeah. especially when your back was so bad. Twenty six yards was a long probably ways. couldn't have made it. No. Yeah. So, um, so this last thing I want to just ask you about is. Now that, and again, it's it hasn't been that long, right? I mean, mm-hmm. since you've been doing this, uh, you know, January of 18, really. And so we're talking like a year and a half, yeah. you know, or so. Um, but you're already starting to give back. What? How do you, how do you want to give back? How are you giving back? And what's the biggest thing that you want to give back to people? Um, I just, like, there's different ways I give back. I help. Like, people message me all the time, like, hey, what can I do? And so I always try and make sure that I message those people back because I know that if I was in that position, I'd want the help. Mm-hmm. You know, I was lucky enough to get the help. So anything I can do to just kind of give somebody some tips or some pointers and maybe help them figure out, like, a plateau thing or whatnot, that's one way I do it. Uh, you know, helping coach some of these will coach some of these people through uh food for fuel and kind of tell them you know what i've learned and see them go out and do it and uh you know excel at it like we have this guy when uh that we're working with right now his name's joshua jones he came to us at 507 pounds and in two months he's lost 70 pounds because he's just so i see a lot like of like what i did in him because like we were at this is a good example. We were at a, a a spin class. You know, spin class isn't comfortable for anyone, but let alone somebody who's 450 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's hard to sit on that bike for an hour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he got off the bike, but he didn't stop moving. He walked around the class. He did push-ups on the wall. He kept his knees, high knees. He just kept going to stay active. And, you know, I was like, that's the difference between being successful and not being able to do it. It's like, I can't do this, so I'm going to figure it out and do something else mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. I'm still working. And then, you know, my goal is just to really just keep doing that, like do anything I can to help people. Like that's mm-hmm. what I want to do now is I want to help people get from nice. a point that I was at, whether it's mental or physical, give my experiences, be as raw and transparent as I can about myself to just show them, you know, you're, you're not alone in your struggles. Like I may feel like that. I know when I was at my heaviest, I was like, nobody gets it. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands truly what I'm going through. Nobody, nobody really has like any clue what i'm feeling but uh the more you realize it and that self-realization thing you realize that people do they understand and they know what you're going through and they want to help so anything anything i can do to be as helpful as possible you know i think a big part and that's why i appreciate it because i follow you on social media and a big part that i've appreciated regarding what you've been doing is with being transparent is that um when you've struggled with the depression or struggled with not getting, you know, the reinforcement externally like you've had in the past or what, or that you want because of the depression, you've done something different than you used to. You talk about it now. Yeah. And, and you're reaching out and you're moving and you know, movement is going to be more important than just lying in it. Right. And, and so, uh, that part is I think is critically important because there are going to be difficult times, mm-hmm. even as you're making progress. It's going to be difficult times a month out of the marathon, and um, but 
if you persevere through it, yeah. if you break it down into smaller things, if you talk about it, someone else has been through it before. Yeah. Someone can give an encouraging word. Um, or in, in your case, maybe just talking about it itself may change everything. Yeah. And that's kind of like, I like, I've met a lot of people throughout this whole journey. And, you know, even before I hadn't, I had, I knew a lot of people just from who I was and like being the funny kid or whatnot, or mm-hmm. going away to school. I knew a lot of people. So at this point, like I realized like if I go out and I share something, two things can happen. Like if I'm struggling and I share it, two things can happen. One, somebody can see it and be like, Hey, I understand, you know, I'm not alone now. Like I know that somebody who's gone through all this has the same struggles that I have. And so one, they'll feel like, you know, Hey, I'm not alone. I can do this. And two, somebody out there might have the answer I'm looking for. Right. Like somebody might, like I've, if I've got, you know, 2000 Facebook friends per se, just for an example, uh, if I post something, one of those 2000 people might have the answer that I need or the tip that I need. Everybody's got a different perspective on things. And so you never know who's going to be able to help you in what situation. So as long as I'm like transparent and I'm telling people my problems, I can get answers. And so it's a lot less, you know, wallowing in self pity or wallowing and being sad and be like, Hey, this is a problem. Does anybody have any tips to fix it? Does anybody have any encouraging words? And I encourage people to do that because, you know, it's it makes it so much easier than just yeah. trying to figure it out yourself. Life's not meant to be done alone, neither is a journey of yeah. mental or physical health. Yeah. And I think it's I think there's an element that's different, right, than being able to express where you're at. And, and even if you phrase it, I'm now venting about blank. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's something different about that versus still versus the old mindset. Mm-hmm that you want somebody to change the external part so that internally you feel different. Yeah. Um, I think there's a difference. There, there is a, there's an element of vulnerability and being transparent is, is, is a choice to be able to expose yourself versus wanting someone to move the obstacle for you. Yeah. That's there. So Ethan, as we're getting ready to wrap up, if for anybody that may be listening, either they're, you know, maybe they're struggling with body image, struggling with, for health issues or maybe struggling with something like with depression or mental mentally. Um, yeah. Uh, what would you, what would you want to leave them with? Um, just like, I know this is going to sound kind of um, maybe like coarse or kind of maybe not the, the right answer everyone might be looking for, but you gotta do something about it. You can't just sit there. Hmm. Like you gotta take one step at a time. Like we've been saying, you gotta take, even if you're going to take a leap, take the leap, you know? Um, and I don't mean to sound like insensitive if that's how I'm coming across, but like if you're, if you're in a mental funk, you need to, you need to do something about it. You can't just sit there. Mm -hmm. If you're in a bad place with your health, uh, physically, you need to, you need to do something about it. You can't just, you can't just sit there. You got to go out and you got to do something. And you know, if you need the help, reach out to me, reach out to a family friend, reach out to family. Somebody there is going to be there to help you Mm -hmm. whether you want to accept that or not. Cause a lot of it is accepting that people do care about you, that people Mm -hmm. do want to help you. And so I'd say just, just do something about it, whether it's go for a walk, whether it's, you know, try and write down your feelings and express them, just do something proactive. Don't just sit there. Start that process. Yeah. Start move moving in that one step at a direction. time. Yeah. yeah. 
Ethan, thank you very much for thank being with for us today. Me. I appreciate you being here appreciate and everything you're me. doing and, and most importantly, sharing sharing your story and sharing your experiences as you've gone along. You still got, you know, a lifelong to go. Yeah. And so um and hopefully you'll continue sharing that with people as as you go. Hope so. Hopefully I can inspire some more people. So. That's all I'm trying to do. Nice. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for being with us. Um, uh, Ethan Taylor, uh, if you have an opportunity, follow him on social media. Um, he's connected with Food for Fuel and Anytime Fitness. Um, but he has still got a, um, each step as he's going on his journey. He's trying to take what he's learned on his on his path, being able to share, um, share with someone who may be in their darkness as well. Thank you very much for being with us today, and we will look forward to seeing you next week.